ESPN and Sports Illustrated giving us their top 100 lists. Where do the Suns players rank so far as they make their way into the top 50, top 30, respectively? And is this the season with the most expectations in Suns history? All of that coming up right away here on Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. Follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean14. Your daily Suns podcast here. Covering, I'll, I'll be here every day starting next week. We are just days away from the Suns' first preseason game, which feels crazy to even say that. Feels crazy that training camp starts a week from today when I'm recording this, yesterday for those of you listening, and whew, we're going to be in the thick of it before long. Still have the goal here of getting to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube by opening night. We're about a month out. And I think we can do it. We're a third of the way there. I am still giving away a fabulous Kelly Oubre bobblehead, a collector's item at this point. Not going to be getting that anytime soon uh, at the Footprint Center. So go ahead and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't. Even if you have a YouTube account, but that's not your preferred way of listening, just check it out. Give the give the channel a subscribe. Um, see what see if it's something that you might like. If it's not, just drop it there. It won't bother you and it'll help us out a great deal. But a lot to get to today. Again, uh, 100 top 100s from both Sports Illustrated and ESPN rolling out for the NBA this week. We also have uh, a little game I want to play at the end, just looking at expectations. Is this the season, the single highest expectation season in the history of the Suns? I don't know if I'm willing to believe it, but I want to walk through it and I'll give my uh, my final sort of pick at the end. Um, but let's start with Sports Illustrated because they are the deepest into their list here and have given them us the most to talk about. They released 50 through 31 on Tuesday. ESPN just started theirs on Tuesday, so they're only to 50 at the time of this recording. First of all, so we've seen on Sports Illustrated's list Crowder, Bridges, and Aiton, which means, A, all of the top five, all of the starters for the Suns will be in the top 100, which is cool. Um, but it also it also is noteworthy because I think it's pretty cool that Jay Crowder is on this list. I think we really like to forget players like him, and I want to shout out the SI team because he was not ranked last year, despite coming off that Heat championship run. This is what I mean. It's, it's silly the way that we do this sometimes where we look past players like Jay Crowder. And trust me, I'm not going to sit here and spend all the time on Jay Crowder. That is not by any means what I'm going to do. But um, 90th again, and the write-up says, every NBA team needs a player like Jay Crowder, a veteran leader and defensive anchor who handles the small hustle plays that don't always show up in the stat sheet to help teams win. Heading into his second season with the Suns, Crowder still has a lot to offer a young team looking to get back to the finals. Exactly. It's not anything groundbreaking. It's not anything special or outrageous. It is just a awesome role player. Those are very valuable. We just saw the impact that Crowder was able to have doing a, a, a number of different things throughout that playoff run. 
fitting into this locker room, fitting into this culture, um, being a, you know, outspoken and, and emotive dude for this uh, fan base and for the organization. Like, Jay Crowder is awesome. And seeing him on a list like this is cool because he doesn't, you know, guys like that don't normally get that shine. Making our way down, we did have Mikhail Bridges, I believe, on SI's list at number 53. Um, correct, 53. Was not ranked last year. I think he was, you know, with that honorable mention just on the cutting room floor. So nearly doubling if he was in the, the you know, 105 range last year, let's say, he would have been there. And now 53, he's doubled his 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 value, his, his ranking. Again, nothing groundbreaking, uh, 3ND, etc. Chris Herring does point out that Bridges had a 76.3% restricted area field goal efficiency, which would have put him into the top 10. And then over at ESPN, he was again not ranked in 2020 and has busted all the way to number 66. Very, very similar um, in terms of the description. Prototypical 3ND player, size, strength, versatility, I don't know if I agree with Brian Windhorst on the strength part necessarily if I'm giving three qualities that make Bridges special, but uh, of course I get where he's coming from. And then highly valuable role player, barely blinked under pressure, lethal three-point shooter again, barely blinked under pressure. I think these are things where he can get better. I actually don't know if I fully agree with that description on the part of ESPN. I think those are some of the concerns that you have actually are you know, does he have that strength and is he a consistent scoring type of option where I'm not saying blinked under pressure. Who am I to say whether Mikhail Bridges was affected by pressure? But what I can say is, especially in the finals after that big home stand games one and two for him, he was quiet. So uh, we will get to that in the next segment, actually, because I think it's something to be discussed in terms of not only will these players continue to rise, but like It'll go into even the last segment of like, what is this season going to look like? Because the scrutiny is, I think, something that we in the Valley may not be ready for, um, especially young Suns fans, younger Suns fans who maybe were not in the everyday grind of, of caring about the seven seconds or less teams. It's going to be every night. It's going to be scrutiny. It's going to be national TV. It's going to be next morning discussion topics on first take and all of that. That's what's coming and so I'll get to that in a second. But last but not least, SI has DeAndre Ayton at number 37. Um, talk about his all-around evolution, sacrificing post touches to just use his size to influence the game, better rebounders in the league, screener improvements, um, mobile, can't be schemed off the floor in the playoffs. And that's probably to me, I mean, that has to be one of the biggest things, right? It's, you know, the idea that Ayton showed if nothing else if we if we can't be positive that the rebounding will be there consistently if we don't know what the defense might look like if if we're worried about the Anthony Davis and the honest matchups that we saw him struggle in all of that's fair and all of that can be um, dissected and it will be on this show as we get ready to continue to preview this season what I will say and what Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated wrote in that blurb is he proved to us he can stay on the floor in the playoffs both because he can be versatile enough, be impactful enough on both ends, but also because he won't foul and he can handle heavy minutes. And so that in and of itself is so huge. You see some of the big men that he is above here, and it's no coincidence. Julius Randle, 
Um, you have Nikola Vucevic. You have Clint Capella. These are the types of players that, I mean, Capella it has been on great teams, but had nowhere near the impact. You've not seen Vucevic or Randall really be part integral parts of great playoff teams. So that that is something to not lose sight of with Aiton is that he is um, in a select class of player having just done that. I mean, I don't think, you know, it's the only thing, like you could say, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, we haven't seen him in a playoff realm. We haven't seen that because we haven't had to. So how do you necessarily compare players like that? And I think that's fair. Zion Williamson, there are guys where we just haven't seen it yet, but I would still maybe take them just from a talent perspective over Aiton. But there is something undeniable about the ability of a big man in 2021, 2022 to just go out there and be able to stay out onto the on the floor. So again, Aiton basically like Bridges doubling his rank here. Um, I'm not sure if that's even the right term, but catapulting himself from 74 to 37. And that shows us a lot. But I think that takes us right to the next topic because... What I want to talk about a little bit is um, where what the other players around Aiton can tell us about him and the fact that these guys are going from unranked to, to very highly ranked in the case of Bridges, unranked to 90th in the case of Crowder, and then obviously Aiton really jumping into that select group at the top there. What does that say? And I, I have a lot of thoughts there. So we'll get into all that in just a second, though. First, a quick word from DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device letting you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and last but not least, you've got your neighbor's best friend's login just for the good stuff. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part is there is no annual contract required. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's show also brought to you by Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based solely on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense, required very little strategy, and inspired Sleeper to, in 2020, create a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and again, it is only available at Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count toward their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. You don't lose because your opponents just had more games going on. You don't have to mindlessly keep up with fantasy basketball every single day when you might not have the time to do so. And you can be even more strategic. You're going to want to look at matchups, home and away, defensive rating, pace, all of these things that will contribute to whether that player is able to pile up those stats and get you a win. If you prefer fantasy football, if that is more your realm, sleeper and their game pick League is exactly what you need. They can do redraft, keeper, or dynasty. All of that is the same, but what it is is you're picking one game to count, one game to pile up those stats, and you don't have to think about it again. You set the you set the lineup at the beginning of the week, and you're done. So 
You are going to love game picks if that is your uh, preferred strategy. And it is much easier. It is more fun. It's less monotonous and it's less work. So download the Sleeper app, start a league with your friends today and check out game picks. You will not be disappointed. Okay. So again, let's stick with SI. Mikhail Bridges, 53. DeAndre Ayton, 37. Even Jay Crowder, number 90 here on these top 100 lists. And I'm trying to do it a different way because I don't like to just look at these, bicker, argue, no, actually, look, number 35, Draymond Green, he's washed and, and Aiden should be higher. I don't think that's useful. Um, I actually think these are pretty fair ratings, I've rankings. I've done these in the past, obviously, when we were not seeing Suns players and I was advocating for, you know, this is not how it should be. These guys are obviously worthy. And the fact that we're at this point is actually the the entry point to this conversation that that is where I wanted to get to. And the reality is the these rating these rankings are, are this way because people cared about the Suns, people watched the Suns, and the Suns were in situations where they were able to prove their winning pedigree. We are not yet to Chris Paul or Devin Booker on either of these lists, meaning they were they will both be in the top 30 at SI, likely similarly placed over at ESPN, and I'll obviously I'm sure have some thoughts on that to close out the week on Friday's show. But um, before we get there, I think the Aiton and Bridges part of this is fascinating. They, again, were put in situations to prove this. They will do so again this year because they will be on TV a lot. And we obviously assume that the Suns will make the playoffs. Where that leads me to is the... uh, the company that they're keeping, where they are ranked. And and that's what, what really jumped out to me looking at this more so than the bickering over one or two slots higher or lower for each player. So we have here 37 DeAndre Ayton. I'll read the names sort of in the general realm, and I think it'll start to paint a picture. So at 36, just above him, you have Domantas Sabonis of the Pacers. You have Brandon Ingram at 33, you have Ben Simmons at 31, just behind um, DeAndre Ayton at 39. Again, Nikola Vucevic at 41, Julius Randle, 42, DeMar DeRozan, uh, 44, Pascal Siakam. I think that's uh, a mistake there. Honestly, I don't, I don't agree with that one, so I'm not even going to necessarily include it, but the point will be the same, which is these are players as I'm reading those names, I'm sure you're getting a, a feel for this. And I'm sure if you saw the list yourself, you're, you were thinking the same thing. This tier could easily be sort of the not quite good enough to be co-stars on a championship team rung, right? This is like the third or fourth best player on a title team type of area. So what the SI voters are saying here is that that is currently where they see Aiton. Not an unfair analysis because right now he is the third best team on a team that player on a team that just made the finals. So for all intents and purposes, they are accurate. They're just observing what's going on. Obviously, many Suns fans would say, well, he's going to get better than that. But this is a ranking for right now. So I think it's fair. But what I'm looking at when I see the others on this list is... For the most part, a lot of these names are players who didn't continue to surpass where they were and continue to rise up the rankings. So you're either seeing players who have just gotten the early part of their drop or who have really lingered around this same section for a long time because they could never bust into the top 20 or 30. 
So, you know, as far as players who are just now starting to see their drop, that would be Pascal Siakam, who was 30th on SI's list last year and is now 44th. Kyle Lowry, um, 28th, now 40th. That's mostly resulting from age. He obviously would have been higher in the past. Um, and then I would also put Ben uh, Ben Simmons in here. Ben Simmons was 21 on this list last year, 31 this year. Um, that's where I am with some of the drops. With the players who have failed to break up into that upper echelon, that is another interesting part of this. And the players you see there, Brandon Ingram, who was 36 last year, is 33 uh, this year. Darren Fox, who was 37 last year, is 32 this year. You have CJ McCollum, who was 35th last year, now is 38th. And Nikola Vucevic, I think another great example, 43rd last year, 39th this year. These are players who are very much in their prime or at the very tail end of their prime and who at one point in time, a few years ago when they were entering that prime, we probably would, I'm sure that they appeared higher than this on on a list or two. I wouldn't be surprised, some of those names. And we expected they would continue to vault up a list like this. And that has not been the case. So I do think we tend to, just in sports, default to the younger players, right? Like we, I'm sure there will be Zions and whomever, uh, Lucas and everything else that might jump off as a little bit higher up than their achievements and accolades would necessarily lead you to feel like they, um, where they should be. But it's not just age that is having a Vucevic tail off and just stall and stagnate in this area. So I'm not saying that Aiton is going to do that, but I think those that's the tier. There is not really a one-to-one comparison in this mix for where Aiton is in his career right now, being on a rookie contract and um, having proven a lot on that rookie contract. Some of those players like you know Jason Tatum or others who are still on that rookie contract, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, those players are going to be much, much higher because the uh, the amount of proof that they've already given us is is way past what Aiton is. And then there will obviously be players who have not proven it yet. Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley. They're, Marvin Bagley's not even going to be on this list. I'm not sure if, if Jaron Jackson is. I think he's in the 80s or 90s. But this middle section of like the third, fourth best player on a championship team or prove it types is a very unique place to be and it will only get more and more interesting because of the scrutiny that will be placed onto DeAndre Ayton and onto Mikhail Bridges for that matter, because I think there was a oh yeah on Bridges this season of the guy we saw at Villanova coming back out of the shell that maybe uh, the lack of media attention had put around him. He's out of that. He's back to doing what we thought and people are paying attention to it again. What if he doesn't get better? What if this season is more of the same from him and he doesn't take another sizable step forward because he is getting into his prime. What do we do with Mikhail Bridges then? Does he just stay in this 50s range? Does he get higher just by doing it over and over and proving that he's consistently a 3 and D elite option? Or does he start to drift backward because we love to reward people for what they have done lately? Like I'm looking at, at Gordon Hayward on this list. He dropped like 10 spots. What, what did he do wrong? He was not great in 2020 was injured and but more more consistently effective in my opinion this this season why did he drop we just do this right so will bridges be victim to the same thing i just think 
These are, we, we were arguing about why are we not seeing our, our Suns players here. And now it's going to be just so much more fascinating and nuanced. And there's going to be no excuse because everybody will be watching the Suns. In the past, we could just say, oh, you didn't watch. You don't know what you're talking about. That's not going to be the case anymore. So all of it is is going to be fun. I think I, I'm, I'm a, you know, like, I like to think about how we think. I like to think about you know, why we do things the way we do them and wh- the way that sports arguments go and why and all that stuff. So I'm going to be uh, along for the ride here, but you might not be pleased with what you hear if you really uh, devote a lot of mental energy and emotional energy into these things. But a uh, conversation for a different day that does lead us nicely into the last segment here, which is just look at like what this expectation level is relative to past sun seasons. Is this the most anticipated most highly um thought of Suns team entering a season ever or where does it rank if not we'll get into that in a second first though a quick word from built bar the best tasting protein bar ever my favorite protein bar and as built bar likes to say the healthiest candy bar ever because they are delicious they're really more comparable to a candy bar than they are to a typical protein bar because they're covered in 100 chocolate they are soft and easy to chew and there's a ton of different flavors just like you'd find in that um, aisle as you're going through the grocery store or your local uh, supermarket getting what you need. There's candy. You want to grab some. That is the level of deliciousness that we're talking about with Built Bar and the level of versatility. Coconut, cherry, cookies and cream, orange. There is a flavor for everybody's sweet tooth here, and they are all that same great Built Bar recipe. Again, the chocolate on the outside, soft and chewy on the inside. No more than 180 calories, no more than 5 grams of sugar, and they are always going to pack 17 to 18 grams of protein in each and every bar. So if you haven't tried all the flavors, maybe you're looking for something new, you can get a mix box, or you can go back to that tried and true favorite. No matter what you buy, what you're going to do is go to built.com, select your box, use the promo code LOCKED15 when you make your purchase to get 15% off your next order. That's not first order, that's next order, so you can dip back in if you've done it before. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Today's show also brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever as all eyes are on the gridiron with teams back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action all season long. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device, make an account today, and receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's a doubling of that initial deposit when you use the promo code NFL100, all one word, just the NFL100, just the acronym, followed by the number 100. From football, basketball, and boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, again, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's close out the show. Is this the most anticipated, highest expectation season entering opening night in Suns history? I don't think you would listen to that and buy it. You'd be like, no, this team has a history of greatness. No way. We've, we just, you know, squeaked into the finals and, and had this miracle run. There's no way. This can't be. Or maybe some of you are listening and thinking, yeah, of course. Don't be dumb. They just made the finals. They've only done that twice. And things are looking very promising for round two here with this group. 
I don't know which side of things you fall on, but it was an interesting question that I was thinking because the Suns have never gotten to that threshold. So there have been a lot of these seasons where there is a feeling of, will this be the one when they do get that title? And of course, we know 93, 76, the times when they made the finals and now 2020. So I think the obvious place to go back and look are the seasons after that happened. So the two places are, well, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the 90s, the 76-77 season. I don't think there were many expectations considering the Suns were 42-40 and 40 the year they did make the finals and had this miracle trip there in the first place. The, final, the following season, they were 34-48. and 48. So this season is obviously more highly anticipated than that one. 93-94 is interesting, though, because you had Charles Barkley coming off of that MVP season. You had Paul Westfall back. You had um, Brian Colangelo stepping in, which uh, was its own unique thing. Um, I his career has taken a turn, but obviously, you know that's that's the state of things. The roster was looking pretty good. You had AC Green in there instead of uh, Tom Chambers, and other than that, the roster was looking pretty much the same, which is very good and very promising, and and everything else. They obviously go to the semifinals and they lose to the eventual champion Houston Rockets, which is where Charles Barkley would then go in not too many years. 56 and 26 and, you know, following up a championship berth by losing to the following years to that year's champion is pretty, pretty darn good. Um, I want your input, too, because obviously I was not uh, nearly (laughs) around enough um, at all to claim anything about that season but just looking at it and 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 reading I did do some digging around like the AC Green edition and all that it felt like that team was considered like they could be back in the finals again and the Jazz had not broken through yet and everything else so Lakers were on the tail end we obviously know the Rockets would take advantage without Jordan in there I think that was seen as you know that Suns team could really do some damage the other one I wanted to look at was 0607 because I think a lot of people that was the second best record of Mike of Mike D'Antoni's tenure in Phoenix and a lot of people consider that to be the best Suns team of that era of the 7 seconds or less era. You obviously had Leandro Barbosa at his peak that season in addition to Amari being healthy and then Nash, Marion, Bell, Diaw James Jones and Kurt Thomas, it was a very, very thin team. You hardly had anybody playing more than 10 minutes. Only nine guys averaged more than 10 minutes. So in that way, some of the, you know, in hindsight, the the um, problems with the seven seconds or less team building were, were there under the surface. And that very much came back to bite the Suns with the um, suspensions and the Nash injury and everything else in the Spurs, the loss of the Spurs in the playoffs. But I think that season to me, because you were coming off of the magic of 0405, the surprise of 0506, and then Amari coming back and you're thinking, okay, you know, we have this group, Amari's healthy now, and this the fact that you get that Barbosa addition, that one to me, I know the Barbosa part and the how will Sotomayor look stuff some of that started to get figured out, you know, over the course of the season, just how good those parts of the team would be. But I do just feel like after two straight Western Conference Finals losses, getting your second best player back or third best, depending on how you feel about Sean Marion, that one I think might take the cake for me. 
But I do think this one is interesting to talk about for, for obvious reasons. This current season we're heading into, I think just the fact that the finals are involved here, the fact that, again, similar to that 93-94 season, the West is fairly wide open, I think all of that is, and they're running it back. Like, I'm not saying losing Tom Chambers that 93-94 season was, you know, some misery thing, but, you know, Barkley wasn't quite as good the next season, didn't play 82 games. I think he played about 65. That, again, that's not an expectation heading into the season, but I do think that there was a little bit of a lightning in the bo- in a bottle mindset about that that Barkley Suns team the first year, just because they were able to get him and he was able to do so much right away. And it was, you know, they without even just like not having Chambers, the way that they played is different and everything else. So maybe I'm just trying to make my case and ignoring the fact that that season had enormous expectations. But I just think this. This team right now that we're about to watch is running it back in full. You know, Tory Craig, Dario Saric, it's fine. Those guys are are hardly key pieces, and they were replaced, even if we're, we're going to have to see if the replacements are effective, but there are people that are going to be doing their jobs, and you could argue the roster in and of itself is better than it was heading into last season after the experience and confidence boost that is making a finals, going to game six in the finals, taking a 2-0 lead in the finals, all those things. So I would probably say 06-07. I think you could make the case for 93-94 and, or even 92-93, honestly, with the idea of we're getting Charles Barkley. But I don't think that one quite gets you there because you didn't know what was going to happen for sure. So I think it's 93-94, 06-07, or this season, 21-22, would love to hear your thoughts. You can let me know below here in the YouTube comments if that's where you're listening. If you are just listening on your podcast platforms, that is at LockedOnPHXSuns on Twitter. Just shoot me a tweet. Who, Which season do you think? Do you think this season is the one? Do you think that I'm just so wrong even putting this conver- this season in the conversation and I'm making stuff up and generating random conversation because it's September 21st and I don't have anything else to talk about? You can tell me that too. We will see. I would love to hear your perspective because I think this one is is right there in the mix. And it makes me really excited to say that because we're about to watch potentially the most anticipated sun season ever. How cool is that, right? Um, On that note, one last show to end the week here coming at you on Friday, followed by the return of, of five days a week. Next Monday, we'll kick things off with Brandon. For those of you who did not listen uh, to the last show, I think it was the last show when I talked about, might have been last week though, the way that I'm going to do the preview. So I'm going to do some media day stuff. Um, we'll talk to Brandon. I'm going to do some media day stuff. Media day is on Monday. I won't be able to go, but I'm hoping to tune in virtually to some of it and get you my reactions to what is said there. So I'm thinking then Wednesday's show will be the one where I will start this preview concept, which is 13 questions that will define this Suns season. Very much stealing from the Ringer NFL folks who used to do 33 questions based on Larry Bird because that's the big number in Bill Simmons' world. We're picking 13, of course, for the man, the myth, the legend himself, the great Steve Nash. That will be also more manageable because I don't want to just do questions the whole time. I'm obviously going to be caught with um, stats and things, or I'm sorry, news and things over the course of time. So 
we'll stick with the 13. That'll take us a couple of weeks, and then we will be, um, you know, good to go from there. So you can look forward to that. 13 questions that will define the sun season. That will start next week. We're back to five days a week. We're getting our way to 1,000 subscriptions on YouTube. The season is not too far away. Hope you are excited. Hope you are enjoying it. Hope you're getting back into the basketball mindset. I will be back with you on Friday and uh, looking forward to it.